God is all there is. How do you apply spiritual principle in the real world? What are your daily spiritual practices? These are the kinds of questions we'll talk about in this show. Your hosts, Leslie and Tracy, will share their experiences, but also want to learn from your insights, your questions, and your suggestions. So, don't just listen in. Call us with your comments. morning and welcome to Say Yes to Spirit. How are you today? I am well and I was just waiting for you. You can just think I want to start someday and I'm not. I'll just stare at you until you say welcome. Some things have to stay the same. Okay, so uh, welcome to Say Yes to Spirit and as you may have noticed already in the first 30 seconds, we actually have a pattern that must be followed. that I feel good about makes me feel comfortable. And uh, um, I'm I am pleased to patronize that pattern. <laughs> if someone has to say welcome, uh, I'm more than happy to say welcome because I'm really glad that you're out there listening to the show either live or later by recording. Um, on Say Yes to Spirit, we come together primarily to encourage you on your spiritual path, and by doing that, we also encourage ourselves to take at least one hour a week and consciously and intentionally say yes to whatever spirit is birthing or providing in our lives. And every week we have a theme. And this week, or this whole month, the theme is love. And within that umbrella theme of love, this week we're talking about the love that relates to your uh, friends and family and the people you interact with on a regular basis. And what kind of love is that called? Well, in the Greek, it is philia love, which if you think about the English language, is the root for affiliation. So what is the love we have for the people we regularly are affiliated with? And how do we express that love and all of that? So that's what we will be talking about today. And before we get into that, let's connect the dots with last week we talked about, I swear to God, we talked about philia love. I was calling it philia love the whole time, wasn't I? But no, it was you supposed aren't. to be euros. Euros? Euros. Euros? That's a European dollar. Eros. Eros love. And I have homework assignment. I was supposed to make God my valentine. Yes. Yes, and you know that was kind of an interesting day. I didn't really wake up connecting that it was Valentine's on Tuesday, and then I had a couple of friends text me Happy Valentine's, and I always wonder, did they text five thousand four hundred thirty-three people Happy Valentine's? Yes, just me, because I really only respond if I think it came just to me. I don't want to be one hundred and thirty-third, you know. But anyway, so then I thought it's Valentine's Day. And then I just kind of went through the day, and it was a pleasant day, and I taught a class at the jail Tuesday night. And it wasn't until I was leaving the jail that I thought, wow, I was supposed to have God as a date today. Isn't that curious? It, just didn't, it didn't even enter my mind until the 11th hour. But then I caught that, and I had a little moment outside, and it was really pleasant. It's a word we don't use very often. It seems kind of mediocre. But it was really very um it was very it was very real it was very 
thought, you know, I felt it. I, I was very, uh, it was very fulfilling to have that moment and think of God as my Valentine. A little perverse, but I said it last week on the show. I thought that's a little perverse. But then actually doing it, it was like a little blanket. I love that story, and I didn't think it was at all perverse <laughs> when you said it. I thought, how cool is that if you really thought of a spirit of God as your Valentine every day? It's, it hit me the same way as um, a few years ago in a prayer where I I used you know, it was an invocation. It wasn't a treatment. It was an invocation. And I talked about our time together for whatever it was, a class, a meeting, or whatever, being a divine appointment with right. spirit. And as I said it, and then afterwards, it just stayed with me of, you know, you have your calendar, Tracy, and you the things that are important to you you put on your calendar as an appointment, and yes, that's what daily meditation is. And 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 if you really thought about putting an appointment with God on mm. your calendar every day, how would that change your life? See, that's so simple. That would really, really, it would change your life. Right. Instead of so many people think of their spiritual practice as a burden or, you know, it's a big, it's a challenging thing for me to fit in. But you make an appointment for everything else that you think is important. <laughs> exactly. Are you right. saying that, that this is less important? So when you, you know, when you made the comment about, oh, I'm going to have a date with God. Let God be my recognize God as my valentine. It sounded perfectly simple and and exciting to me. Well, that's very good because it turned out that way for me, but I, you know, initially did not have uh, too high of hopes, but it was really very cool. And, you know, the, the interesting connect the dots to today, the idea of the, the association, I think I talked about this last week, I had an Al-Anon sponsor 25 years ago that talked to me the first time about making uh, my experience of God a relationship. Yeah. And to really look at it, as you're saying, right in my daily planner, you know, spend time talking, make it a priority, all the things we do when we're either in a new friend relationship or a new significant other relationship. You know, we actually make time, we look forward to, we plan, we write down. And so... Uh, that has been a part of my experience of having a relationship with God for lots and lots of years, and I think that is really an amazing thing. And I'm looking forward to talking about the the chosen family, you know, our family of choice, is a familiar term. Yeah. So that's more of what we'll talk about here than after the break. Did I connect the dots okay for you, Tracy? I know how important that is for you. <laughs> it's my thing all about Leslie so far in the first two and a half minutes but we'll become spontaneous here after the break and stop all of our rituals of what we have to do in a certain order for me to feel comfortable I think taking a break right now would be a really good thing so let's do that
Welcome back to Say Yes to Spirit with Leslie and Tracy. And today our theme is Celia Love, love that we share in our relationships with our friends, with our family, with our coworkers, and the general community, our affiliations with people, and how do, how do we... How do we apply love? How do we give love? How do we receive love with those relationships? Oh, that's interesting. How do we how do we show up for that love? I went to a Al Anon meeting this morning and the woman started the topic about her relationship with her parents and she said when she first got involved in Al Anon that she would talk about hating her parents. She would say, Hi, I'm Sally Sue and I hate my parents. She would introduce herself in meetings, and she said, I feel badly that I actually uh, thought about my life will begin when my parents die. And when it came around time for people to share, I raised my hand. I said, I must share. I said, I went to my first Al-Anon meeting 29 years ago. That shows you how old I am, because I was old when I started. But uh, And I can remember my sponsor asking me, when are you going to forgive your mother so that you can live your life? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I'm really not willing to do that, and she's pretty old, so she's going to be dead pretty soon, and that's going to work out, and I'll be fine then. 29 years later, my mother's still alive. Yes. <laughs> I still go back and forth with that sentiment. If she would just die, then I could go on and live my life. And I think that's so powerful. How do we show up as love, and, and what is the what do I get out of not being loved? with my mother. You know, there's something, and that was all about the meeting this morning, is how does that victim status or that resentment, how is that feeding me? What am I doing by not letting go of that? You know, that is that is about me. That's not about her. I'm 49 years old, and whatever my mother has or hasn't been is, is no longer about her. It's really all about me, and how am I showing up in my life in general, and my love and how it shows up. I like that term. Yeah, and it is, um, there's a Marianne Williamson quote that I'm going to paraphrase, but it really talks about the love we don't have in our life. It's not that it's because of what some anybody else is doing or not doing. It's because we're not giving love. We're not choosing love mm-hmm. and choosing to be love in the world. And so you can't take in what you're not giving out. And no matter what anybody else is doing, it's it's what you it's the love you give and claim that you're not the victim to someone else's expression or lack of expression of and love. There's a lot of energy around that idea of being a victim and holding resentment and making a list and holding up the list and saying, reminding of the list, here's all the horrible things, this is why, testifying. And to put that down, just to lay that down and to live in love is really, it's such an opportunity moment to moment. And I, and I have that experience of peace. Even with my mother this last week, I had a conversation. It was just wonderful. It was peaceful. It was calm. And I hung up the phone and I thought, good heavens, I had a lovely conversation with my mom. What's that about? I mean, you know, it was so unusual. I was like stunned by the concept that we had this this is really, you know, non charged, non emotional and really, you know, 
bless her heart, she's 87. It's not charged on her side anymore. I'm the one yeah. relighting the match every day. You know? right. And it may not ever have been. Have oh, you know, no, let me tell you the story. <laughs> no, you're right, you're right. Yeah, it's amazing, though. And I, and I think that, you know, how we make choice, how I make choices of my friends and my family of choice now, you know, I went through a long period of time in my early 30s where I had a family of choice, and I was defiantly choosing my family of choice, you know, and I liked that word. I'm going to recreate my family of choice. I'm going to make a family of choice. And I, I look at that, and that, that just makes me smile now because, you know, it wasn't like I had to have, like, the anti-family. You know what I'm saying? I had to go to the opposite extreme and create some other thing, you know, and it's such a curious thing, that uh, sense of, how I express love to my, you know, family of origin, and that extends out, it ripples out. Like you say, if I'm not really fully giving love unconditionally, there's there's no avenue for it to return to me unconditionally. When you used uh, family of choice versus family of origin, it hit me that. That's so interesting that I definitely have a family of choice, a family by choice, people who are in my life who I am so close to that, you know, they are my family. And in many ways, closer than my biological family. And um, definitely that's been true. And if you're a regular listener, you know that I have a, I had a great relationship and still do with my stepmother who made her transition last year and with my ex-mother-in-law and with my almost mother-in-law. I mean, these three women I have had such beautiful relationships with and do not have a relationship and um, an interaction, any interaction with my biological mother. And so it's really interesting when you said that, I thought, you know, I did not go about, go out to create a family of choice to replace my family of origin. It was kind of like I got my family of origin. I I got them, like I received my family of origin, (laughs) um, or I chose my family of origin coming in, whatever that is, but when I started becoming really close to these other people I met in the world and relying on them, being in deep, deep, trusting relationships with them, I don't, I don't ever, I don't remember ever thinking about it as an instead of or as a better than. I, I thought about it in terms of I'm committed to relationships with these people better, the way I want to be in relationship in the world. And I was very much aware that I could not be in relationship in that way with my family of origin. But it was more like, so why would I waste my time trying to get my family of origin to change? And as I would meet people who, for whom that type of relationship was, the natural way that we interacted with one another. I valued it, but that's really interesting. It was never, oh, my family of origin is so screwed up and they're just hopeless and pitiful and 
we'll never get to this. And so let me go out here and find people who are better. <laughs> I mean, and you know, I never really thought about it till this moment. That's it, good, it happened right? organically. There you go. And it happened as we talk about, you know, change your thinking, change your life, and, you know, choose and set the intention. Mm-hmm. Like I did set an intention that, I would have relationships where there was trust and integrity and honesty and and love and conversations that were uh, that were deep and laughter. It's like I was really clear about what kind of relationships I wanted, but as I as I experienced those relationships, I didn't have that back and forth or that comparison and I never really thought about that till now. Okay, so I can move on from that. <laughs> no, I love it. And yeah, I wonder if part of it you moved pretty quickly out of your family of origin um hometown, didn't you? Oh yeah. Yeah. It helps. So yeah, I'm still seven minutes away from my mother. Oh yeah. I, I, I think that's part of it that I really you know, I've never really broken free of a physical boundary. So so I've always had that you know, feeling of um, comparison in a way in terms of uh, loyalty or time or, you know, um, how I showed up for my mom over the years in terms of with other people showing up, you know, she would want something and I would have, I can remember many times in the younger years she would want or need something that would be in conflict with something or some time that my family of choice wanted. You know what I'm saying? And so I would have a very clear kind of thing, oh, no, I'm choosing my family of choice. And I look back now, that that's just so dysfunctional, you know, that I really made it a very a very black and white. Imagine that, me making something black and white, good or yeah, bad, uh, right or wrong. Don't, don't sound uh, like me. Uh, yeah. Not really. but, uh, but I think today... Certainly, the opportunity every moment of my day is to show up as, like you said, the love that I want to experience, and in that, um, having that that feeling of family, whether it be biological or family of choice or neighbors or church family, certainly, um, I have a sense of family with my church family that goes beyond even the members of the church or the people that come to church that I really know. I mean, I feel like if somebody shows up at church and has a need and and I just see them in association with the Center for Spiritual Living in Dallas, I'm going to try to be present for them, even if I don't know them. Right. Because I have this feeling of, uh, what did you say at the top of the show, just a feeling of affiliation or a feeling of, connection even if I don't know them. I'm I'm committed to helping them because they're in my church family. Yeah. That's kind of weird, isn't it? Shouldn't I have to know them? And shouldn't they have to prove themselves to me first before I choose to care for them? I love them. I'm so glad you have a (laughs) smile on your face. Oh, we're going to, you said you would stream the show, Tracy, so people can see us. Is that Yes, I, I want to be saying that it would be possible for <laughs> to stream the show before I realized that my office was going to be repainted and all the furniture was going to be moved. And Maybe next week we can be that would, I don't know that my office is going to be put back together <laughs> Two weeks. by next week. I'm much more entertaining if you can see me. I, I just think. came back last night. Okay, right. At midnight. From your family of choice convention. 
Well, talk from, about that from a convention. Um, well, it does fit in terms of who you affiliate with right. and how you show up in the world. And so um, we are part of the Centers for Spiritual Living. And uh, for the last nine years, there's been an intentional movement to join two different groups, two different denominations, so to speak, of uh, religious science back together to integrate together once again after having split in 1954. And so there's been this process, and, and now the two organizations are back together as centers for spiritual living. And this convention this past week was focused on the final step of integrating one with the other including electing the officers for the new organization. And so that's what happened at the convention. And from the perspective of love and love uh, with your family, friends, and the relationships you establish, um, I think it was really the, the whole focus of coming together. Even though you may do things a little differently, but knowing that the foundation of what you believe and who you see yourself to be is like-minded. Yes. And it is a choice. It is an intentional choice to walk together, to play together, to respect one another, and to find a new third way instead of my way or your way. And I think that's the way that love shows up in our relationships with our friends, with our families. Like, you and I are friends, and we are really very different from one another. And we don't expect the other person, you know, to be. Right. Right? And so we choose to come together and create a third way of being when we're together that works for both of us. Yes. And sometimes we choose to say... We'll do it your way. <laughs> I love those times. But it's my way. And don't you love it when you <laughs> let it be my way Not because so you're being loving? Not so much, but yes. Okay, well, just say yes to agree. <laughs> yes. So the point yes. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's what the, the convention, it was a great physical demonstration mm. of that, that idea, or this idea or thought that when we choose to walk in love, yes. that we behave differently one with the other. <sighs> yeah, oh, I love that. You know, and I, you know that what would love do, all those little tricks that we say throughout the day um, to remind ourselves to walk in love. I can remember probably about a year ago, I guess, when some of this was starting to be talked about here at the center, the, the recombining of the two organizations, Reverend Petra made the comment that it's the first time in history that uh, two religions, I guess you would call them religions or philosophies, were making the effort to be joined back together. One philosophy that's taken different paths, like how many different, how many different types of Methodists do we have? Right. How many different types of Baptists do we have? They have the same general faith and philosophy, but they wanted to focus on one thing or serve one thing more than the other. So they just said, well, we'll, you know, we'll gather our toys and we'll go over here and put a little twist on this and do it our way. Yep. And and that's what happened 
1954 that, you know, one group wanted to really focus on building churches and one group really wanted to focus on educating in a different way and having churches but having, you know, education one-on-one, kind of the way that Ernest Holmes taught. And, and so the philosophy really was the same. And both groups have been teaching the same thing. And both groups have, you know, have built about 200 to 250 churches or communities out in the world individually. Mm-hmm. So all along the way, they were doing similar things just slightly differently. And leadership, you know, making decisions in a slightly different process. And, um, but bottom line, coming back together, it's about, you know, we believe the same thing. Our foundation is the same thing. And one of our primary principles is oneness. <laughs> How are we modeling mm-hmm. oneness mm-hmm. if we are two? Mm-hmm. And, and we were both groups have learned enough that we can now come back together. And and so I like just saying that out loud and reminds me of, you know, that's also a good example of love showing up in our friends and our family. So we were just talking about family of origin, and sometimes you do have to split from your family of origin. It's not working for you. You need to have independence and find who you are. But I can't count the number of people who, when they were in their late 20s or early 30s, and then they had children, and it became important for their children to know who their grandparents, that there was that healing of, you know, we do have the same foundation. That we turn back to. And we we just need to forge a new relationship, not based on how we used to interact, but based on who we have become. And part of who I have become is a parent of young children. They need to know their grandparents and their cousins and their aunts and their uncles so they know they are part of something bigger in the world and that family is important. And so let's re-navigate and renegotiate who we are and how we are together. And you set new ground rules and you have a conscious conversation and you decide what you will suck up and what you won't on both sides. So, and I had, until this moment, not really thought about that. And even though we've said that line, it's the family coming back together, mm-hmm. that does happen. It happens with friends mm. who yeah. you have a misunderstanding with and you thought, how could that have ever happened? We were best friends 15 years, right? And now we've been apart for 10 years. Pick up the phone. Or they find, I, I do, this is a real example. I, I know someone who um, was found on Facebook by someone they had been close friends with in their 20s and 30s. And in their late 30s, they have a serious falling out. Mm. And now they're in their mid-50s. And a few months ago, this person who was a good friend of theirs, you know, 20 years ago, found them on Facebook. And, and my friend had to really think about, you know, I've missed this person in being a part of my life, and we love each other completely, and am I willing to trust that we Wow. Wow. So I friend this person 
and on Facebook, and, you know, we can loosely start seeing what each other's about as a possible re- reconnection and renegotiation, not to just return to where you were before, but to capture some of that. Yeah, you know, that's so interesting because I'm sitting here thinking, hearing you talk, and I'm thinking, why wouldn't they just hit friend? Confirm friend. Yes. Oh, my gosh, I want to see you. Oh, I can't believe it's been 30 years. You know, well, they what kind is of it serious about, calling out. Well, yeah, I, I hear that. I hear that. But I'm thinking, what is it about me that can't just love everybody? What is it about me that has to really think, okay, I've got to figure this out. Is this going to be good for me? Is this going to be bad for me? Am I going to be? And I, I think it's. It has something to do with me not being able to fully love or fully trust or fully embrace myself. Because otherwise, whatever somebody else does, it can just bounce off of me. If I'm really fully present to the truth that I am God expressing, then I don't think there would be any falling out. I think it's in the moments that I forget or I'm asleep to the truth of who I am that I get irritated with Betty, who other people might call my mother. Um, You know, it's in the moments that I forget the truth of who I am that I would say, you know, this person wronged me or, you know, I have a justifiable reason this person really, you know, did this horrible thing to me 20 years ago. And I think if I fully am living in the truth of who I am, I'm just going to open my arms up wide to everybody and say, it's okay, it's all good. And, and it's and it's such a different space within me, and I can even feel it as I'm talking when I'm in that space of scorekeeper, which I'm very good at. Ah, my mind can multitask. I, you know, I can keep scoring my head, and I know when you've earned enough points to get back into my good graces because, yes. you know, my God, I've done my part. And so... You know, that's really familiar to me. I can absolutely do that. And then the energy of, there's just nobody that can hurt me. There's nothing that can hurt me. There's no way I could be a victim to anything. There's no way I could be harmed by anyone because I am God expressing. There's no, there's nothing wrong. No, no harm, no foul, no possibility of hurt. That's such a different energy space. And when I say, you know, each one, I can really get into it. I can feel it in my body. Can you see it in my body? That's why we need to have TV. So they, do I look different when I'm talking one way and then another? I feel different. Casey's going to talk here any minute. <laughs> she's building up. She's breathing. Yes, I am breathing. And yes, I am talking. Um, and it's such a very different space. Yeah, actually, I was thinking, of, I was taking in all that you were saying and thinking about different people in my in my life along the way. And so, uh, and I mentioned this last week, so there are two people that came to mind, and one was my ex-husband who um, I mentioned last week sent me a package that had the programs from his the funerals of both of his parents who died five months apart in 2011. And I actually was very happy to receive, not very happy that they had transitioned, but very happy to receive the information and the CD because I have always still felt connected to the family with love. For 25 years that we've been divorced, 
and um, and I remember thinking, how can he be so angry with me still? That the note that he wrote, you know, felt angry. No. If she felt I like angry. How, that's just so no. curious, isn't it? And and, 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 I it. and how sad it is for me that I don't have this loving, friendly relationship yeah. with him and with other people in his family who, you know, who felt they needed to take sides, right? Or felt they didn't feel like they needed to take sides, but in support of him, his request mm-hmm. was that they did not maintain contact with me. And so, you know, that cutting off mm-hmm. of the love, even when you decide you cannot be a couple and you cannot live together anymore and you are not married anymore, mm-hmm. in my mindset, you can still be friends. And and I have, when I remember that relationship, I remember the love. I remember, you know, 12 years of fabulous times. And I've spent very little energy. It doesn't even come up for me, you know, unless someone specifically asks me, you know, why did you get divorced? So so what you're saying, you know, it's like, yeah, if I got a friend request on Facebook from him, mm-hmm. I would be I would I would be questioning not for me, but I would be questioning why is he doing this now because of all this time. And I would probably think, I mean, I don't think I would think twice. I would friend him. Now, be knowing that I can always unfriend him if church, I don't have to, you know, call you, I don't have to call a friend, I don't have to do anything. 
I just have to do that yeah. every minute of every day. And it's all, you know, and all these other things that I do, it's certainly, it's you know, it's booster shots to that. But my whole thinking is, you know, there's got to be a time in my life, you know, back to my walk through the wall, you know, the page is going to turn, and I'm just going to be that, and I have to continuously remind myself a million different ways through a million different avenues, you know, I'm just going to mostly be that. So there's a little intuitive hit that is demanding to be spoken. That is to clarify, at least for me, and I'm guessing for you as well, that we're not saying what we're not saying. So, you know, there are times when for safety reasons, because we are in human form, that the answer to what would love do becomes you protect yourself. So what would love do doesn't always show up as if someone is mistreating you or hitting you or physically abusing you. Right. That doesn't mean what would love do. What the answer to what would love do does not mean. Oh, I will just stand there and take it because I'm going to be the love in the room, and I know that they, you know, like um, Jesus said, "Forgive them, God, for they know not what they do." Um, that is a heart connection, and there are times when you do need to walk away from a person or a relationship or call the police, because then what you are doing is what would love do? Love, love would never be abused. Love would never allow itself. To be. And it's not only what you do to that other person. It's what would love do to keep myself safe? What would love do? Love would say, Tracy, put yourself in a, in a safe setting. That's what love would do. Love does not only say, forgive the other person so they know not what they do or they are out of their spiritual mind or they are, you know, doing something that's inappropriate. Love them, forgive them, and let them continue to do that. Love also is looking at you in your own life and saying, love yourself. And I can love the the um, the abuser and still be safe and not be exactly. around them. You know, love the love the person, not the behavior kind of idea and exactly. keep myself safe. So, yes, that is a good caveat out of that. And that's, yeah, it's, I, it's in that circle, mm-hmm. but I think we forget because we often only think of love going out from us and forget that, which, of course, next week we're going to talk about self-love. And so we will probably get even more into that. But I just, my intuition was saying that needed to be spoken. It is such a fine line because I know in my past I certainly have never been in a physically violent relationship or, you know, certainly none of the things that happened with my mom was any kind of real abuse of any sort. But I can certainly build a case and make it seem, you know, really dramatic. And so I do think it's a a fine line in terms of saying, you know, this person's not good for me and then building a case versus it's obvious they're beating me they're, you know, calling me stupid, they're not letting me go to college, they're not letting me, you know, they're hitting my children. You know, those are fairly dramatic black and white kinds of things. So it is just a, 
it 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 is important i for me at least to understand that that um beyond you know, physical violence or emotional violence that is traumatic and it's kind of a it's kind of a a point where I don't need to keep score that's the idea you know it's if exactly if it's there it's going to be obvious if I'm having to keep score then it's probably just within me and my own um you know, my humanness to try to be right or try to be the 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 one that's the um, that victim, I don't know if that has to be right. There's something about that whole victim, that resentment. It just really is, it's such a, it's like lighting a match. It's really a, once it starts, it just starts burning pretty quickly. Yep, doesn't need much in order to uh, expand. <laughs> to fill the room as well. Oh, and then attach itself and into every aspect of your life or my life. You said something earlier about the oneness yes. and talking about the convention that you went to. And and I am always kind of looking at the oneness in terms of how I'm accountable for things as a whole. And if one person in my neighborhood or one person in my community at church or one person in my you know, work world is suffering, then it's like I have to, you know, be a part of that person's choice to to not suffer or, you know, try to help. I was trying to stay away from the idea of helping because that, you know, sounds so like something I don't want it to sound like. But, you know, that I want to understand that until, you know, everyone within my little tiny piece of the pie is healing and whole, healed and whole, and I can't be fully healed and whole, and then I have to go to the you know next piece of the pie to the right and the piece of pie to the left. This is why we need a TV show because Tracy's rolling her eyes. But I just think it's so. I think that concept of oneness and that just because everything's okay in my world, I can't just stop there. I have to then ripple out into other people's experiences and be that love, be that you know until until we're all on the same. Happy on, your page. on my page of the truth of love and light, yeah. So the reason that I was having a reaction <laughs> is because, yes, I agree with the words that you're saying, and the question, I re- wasn't really rolling my eyes. I was <laughs> moving your eyes. Well, I was really having the question. I was entertaining the question mm. inside me of, but how do I know when you are healed, because it may not look like you're healing your process to healing. It may not look like that to me, because to me it would look like pain or it would look like um, sorrow or it would look like fear if I were doing that or experiencing that. But it may be your unique divine path to getting the knowledge of love and healing and light that you need to get. And so that that's what I was I was entertaining that like how how can I know that someone doesn't need to experience what they're experiencing? So I wanted I want to be a part of fixing that or helping them go helping them have a different experience, but that may be their exact experience that they're supposed to have. You know, that's an interesting philosophical concept or idea. How much is too much 
intervention or care or controlling what I think is whole and complete for you versus what is whole and complete when I'm saying I need to help you. And so I was, I actually agree with the words you said, but as I started thinking about applying them, it's like that's when it gets really messy and difficult. And, you know, Al-Anon would kind of give me some um, thinking on this, and I've heard it said in Al-Anon, and I think this is probably for me the line is, is my intervention, is my love, is my care, is my concern, or my words or my deeds or whatever they are, are they attached to an outcome? And if I'm attached to a certain outcome in you, then my intention is more about me getting you to look like I want you to look. Mm-hmm. But if I can do or say or be love and not be attached to how you receive it or what you do with it, then that's a pure stream. So that detached with love idea in Al-Anon and, and certainly, you know, I'm a big believer and I, you know, I will err on the side of getting up in somebody's world that doesn't necessarily want me there because I am going to, you know, I'm going to try. If I think you're drowning, I'm going to reach out and throw something at you to try to give you a lifeline. And, you know, and that might just ultimately hit you in the head and, you know, make you go under one more time. Certainly, that is certainly a possibility of that. But I'm not going to stand on the shore and have the idea that you might be drowning and say, well, I'm going to wait and see how that works out for them. Right. You know, I'm going to email, I'm going to send a card, I'm going to do something to say, hey, you look like you're drowning. I was drowning. That's what it looked like when I was drowning. Or, you know, somehow I'm going to connect with you and then I'm going to sit back and say, okay, now I've done that and now I'll just wait and let them see what happens. But, you know, and I think that's a really interesting point because I certainly... If I have have had if I have gotten backlash for anything in my life, that would be the major thing you know, I've gotten backlash in. You know, Leslie, you just don't know what everybody needs. Well, yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, I actually do. You know, we all need to express the truth of who we are. We all need to have that page turn. That's why we're here. That's what what the game is about. And so, you know, and it's not a singular game. I don't think it's an individual sport. I think it's a team activity. <laughs> and maybe you came in this plane to be an individual sport, you know, to be a, a what is an individual? Is it such a thing? I guess golf. Would that be an individual sport? To some degree, <laughs> even though you need a caddy and a coach and a, yeah, but it's like your individual performance, gymnastics. Oh, gymnastics is a good example. Yeah, swimming. Something like that. Oh, no, you can have a relay team. But, right, but you're... There are individual events where you are swimming and beating records or doing gymnastics, and then the team also on a team of champions. So I think I'm on like a baseball basketball team. We everybody has to play together. <laughs> and the sooner, we, and then I'll take it to the next step. Everybody the sooner we play together, game. the sooner we play together, then we get to evolve to the next level. I think as soon as everybody gets playing in the same direction, which is that one concept of expressing God individually, certainly, you know, each expression is individual, but um, the pain and the suffering along the way, if I'm fully embracing love, I think I, I think I have to at least reach out and say, hey, here's a, here's another option. Well, I, and I see our time is winding down, um, but one of the things that I thought about when we said we were going to do this show is the global heart vision 
statement for the centers of spiritual living. Um, not so much just that, you know, we talked actually a lot today about centers for spiritual living, but it's one of the things as we talk about how love shows up in our relationships in the world that is really inspiring to me. And we talk about our global heart vision as the vision and, you know, as our mission as a faith and a philosophy in the world. So with your permission, I want to read it because it's a little long. Is it a little long? A little. Does it, does it play to my theory at all? Yes, you'll. Oh, okay, then you can read it. Okay, so the global heart vision statement. Whereas in this information age, the global brain has become an operative reality, we envision the emergence of the global heart to balance and guide the further evolution of humanity as stewards of our planet and all its inhabitants. We see a world free of homelessness, violence, war, hunger, separation, and disenfranchisement. We see a world in which there is a generous and continuous sharing of heart and resources. We envision a world in which forgiveness, whether for errors, injustice, or debt, is the norm. We see a world in which borders are irrelevant. We see a world which has removed an emphasis on beauty, nature, and love through the resurgence of creativity, art, and aesthetics. We see a world in which fellowship with all life prospers and connects through the guidance of spiritual wisdom and experience. We envision a world in which we live and grow as one global family that respects and honors the interconnectedness of all life. We envision centers for spiritual living as a bridge across the illness and illusion of separation, thereby dynamically empowering the vision of global heart. We envision centers for spiritual living as united and actuated by this compelling vision of a healthy world, a world experience of global heart, and is ardently committed to bringing this vision forth through its ministries and its transformative teaching. We see the Centers for Spiritual Living as a global community of inspired individuals caring for and about each other and the entire planetary family, thereby bringing the gift of active compassion and kindness to the world. Our local ministries and communities become points of inspiration and influence, effectively advancing the vision of the global heart to benefit all expressions of life. Take a breath after that. That's so cool. And that, when we talk about filial love and the love that we share and the love that we experience with people who are not our romantic or um, sexual partners, I just, I love what the Global Vision says about how we can be and experience love in the world. And I love that last part. I made me think about, I don't know, when I was probably 30, 31, a friend of mine and I started a little nonprofit that we called Active Love Institute. Ah, I love that. It was that. so cool. And it was the idea of love, just loving is great, but how do you activate that? How do you demonstrate that? How do you create 
and all of what you just read, I mean, that's, you know, there's a 50 different ways in that reading of how I can activate my love and really be a presence and not just be a passive participant, but to be an active participant in that bridge making. Love that. Love that. Glad to be a part of the, what is it called now? What am I now? The Global Heart Vision. No, the Centers for, Spirit, centers what is for the, Spiritual Living. Oh, so we, so the name is Centers, for spiritual, centers for spiritual Living. Glad to be a part of it. That's cool. That's yeah. very cool. So that is um, just Next about week. it for today on how does love show up in your relationships. And next week we'll be talking about self-love. Self-love. There you go. There you go. I how like do that. we say yes to spirit and how do we show and receive self-care and self-love? Um, the idea of can't Give away something you don't have might come to play. Uh, yeah, that might. You might want to write that down. <laughs> that might be the connect the dots for next week. So um, we are real. We are really good. So until we see each other, I can't. I was just saying that's so funny. I've never heard you. That's another reason. Yeah, my can't talk for some reason for this moment. But uh, thanks for joining us today, and please uh, share uh, links to today's show with your friends who might be interested, and we'll see you again soon. Until then, say yes to spirit. Play Imagine Dragons. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get access to over 50 million songs. Download the Amazon Music app today.